0: It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. The election is not far off, and today is our final day of looking at the big topics. And today's big topic, Loren, is
1: well. I think it's arguably one of the topics for many of us, and the questions of how to fix healthcare are many. I, if if you're someone who's uh, preparing to run this province, you can bet you're getting asked at if not every door, every other door. What are you going to do about A, B, or C? And that could be, what are you going to do? I'm an aging senior. What are you going to do about my mom in long-term care? What are you going to do about the fact I went to the hospital the other day and no one could see me? I don't have a family doctor. I live in rural Manitoba and I have to drive 200 kilometers for an appointment. Uh, it is a huge issue for many people. A nationwide issue, but... Right here in Manitoba, I think the needs are great and perhaps greater than elsewhere because of the fight we have to bring people here, retain them, keep them, and also make sure that we're not just talking about Winnipeg in this equation.
2: And we know that one party has gone all in on this issue. It is their number one issue. We're talking, of course, about the NDP. Any time Wab Canoe gets asked a question about just about any subject, he manages to find a way to tie it back to health care, whether... That makes sense to do so or not. He does it, and so I think uh, the NDP has decided that if they are going to win this election, it's going to be based on this very critical issue. They put it at the top of their list. We'll find out where it sits in terms of priorities for the Liberals and the Conservatives as we make our way through the day. Dougal DeMont will join us uh, this morning on the start
0: at seven thirty-five, indeed, and then on Jim Toast's show. Kevin Klein from the PCs will be speaking to CJOB just after 1.30. and on the news with Rich and Cluche, Rich and uh, Julie, uh, the NDP leader Wab Canoe, will be calling in just after four thirty. Also, uh, w- when I got here, I opened my computer, and the first thing that I saw in the queue was the name Bob Irving. And then I had to listen to it. And right at the end there, you can hear Greg saying, always working. And, uh, (laughs) but so I had a feeling that it was the, the audio came. So what happened? Where were you
2: last night? IG field at the pinnacle club, uh, amazing venue, by the way, the meal was outstanding. So thanks to the blue bombers, Wade Miller for the, uh, outstanding hospitality last night. It was the 2023 Manitoba football hall of fame induction ceremony, dinner, celebration players, coaches, builders, individuals who helped grow the game of football in Manitoba. So that was sort of in my element. One of the individuals inducted last night was my high school football coach. And so that was special to be in the room when that took place last night. But just what stood out for me were the stories of giving back to the community, the gift of time, the cost of giving back that time in terms of relationships. Maybe I'm a coach. And my wife is is now holding down the fort at home. Or my kids are paying a price. Uh, Glenn Scrivener, former Blue Bomber, longtime coach. His wife said to him, you know... you're spending all this time with with football players. Maybe it's time to mm-hmm. spend some time with your own kids. And so there were, that was a common thread throughout the well.
1: You talk about the, the, the speeches idea last night when you get somewhere in life, and no matter what your career is, who helped get you there? That's right. And how often was that person on their own time, especially in the communities we live in? It's a, it's a mom or dad who's donating time. That's to right. help develop other children, and it's all in good cause. It is, but there's, co- there's, a, there's cost, a cost too. One
2: hundred percent. So the insight uh, and and the and the speeches and the gratefulness was outstanding. And as you mentioned, uh, Brett, on the list of worthy uh, inductees, uh, our own Bob Irving.
3: Uh, you're way too kind. Thank you. Old habits die hard. I have a score to report. Oak Park. Seventeen, St. Paul's nothing. Our grandson plays for the Oak Park Junior Varsity Team, so I just had to throw that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so I, I thought it was the perfect meld. It was a certain like the perfect transition. You know, Bob's retired now, and of course, he still joins uh, all the shows on CJOB, but uh, with a little bit of a different perspective, and life is different for Bob now. Of course, he received a standing ovation, uh, long and, and loud, uh, and it was just a, a wonderful night. And we'll hear uh, the rest of uh, Bob's acceptance speech just after 9 o'clock. And...
0: In two minutes' time, we will tell you how you can win tickets to see Journey and Toto. It has to do with movie quotes today, but first, Winnipeg Jets lost last night. Here are your sounds of the game.
4: Teams come to center, ice puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Back the other way is Harkins with some speed in the high slot for Ford. Parker Ford works his way back for Harkins on it, but a shot! He scores! Off both posts and in! Jensen Harkins opens up the scoring. It's one nothing Winnipeg on a great give and go with Parker four rebound back to the side of the slot. Dryden Hunt for Mackenzie Wieger shooting. That's blocked. Wieger again snaps off a shot. Stop rebound. They score. Dryden Hunt, I think, got the last touch. There were two flames there. One was falling down. Hunt stayed on his feet and he backhands at home and we're tied and one. Back to where the line for Ryder. near side for Ford slap shot. He scores. Parker Ford with a one-timer, it's a power play goal! He'll lead the charge through the line, and it's two to one, Winnipeg. Winnipeg can't clear, onto the far side, controlled, quick shot, they score. Connor Zeri, walked in off the wall on the far side, toward the side of the slot, pulled it back, ripped it home, and we're tied at two. It's a power play goal for the Flames. Andrew Mangiapane, the next shooter for Calgary. Slowly saunters in, stick handles in the middle of the ice, shoots and scores. Andrew mangiapani and Winnipeg has to score here. Mesnikoff will dance in. Across the line, left-handed shot, head up. He moves, goes to the deep, shoots as he moves to his left. And he's denied on a good save by Dustin Wolf. And the Calgary Flames win in a shootout tonight.
0: Jets back in action tomorrow against Ottawa. More hockey talk on Jets at noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth. In the meantime, Cameron Poitras is in studio with us alongside Sarah McCarthy as we get ready to tell you how you can win tickets for Journey and Toto. And it has to do with this. You talking to me? You talking to me? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. At 7.05, we're doing an interview on movie quotes and a book called You Talking to Me. So today, let's talk movie quotes because we want to know, is there a movie quote that really speaks to you or has had an impact on your life? An impact beyond, I like that quote. Like, it's my favorite quote. Well, why? Why is it your favorite quote? Is there a movie quote you try to sneak into your everyday life? and maybe confound or confuse the people around you. What, are you. what are you talking about right now? Or maybe there's a movie you just like to quote frequently, perhaps even to the point of driving someone nuts, etc. So let's go around the horn here. And, Loren, why don't we start with you on this one?
1: Okay, so this comes from the movie The Wedding Singer, which came out in 1998. My husband was also a big fan, and I'm trying to remember if we were even... I don't think we were even together then, but we've watched it since over the years. And this is the scene where... Uh, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, he's testing the limo driver. And will this guy get to be the limo driver for Drew Barrymore's wedding?
5: You're not going to make it.
0: You hit two cones. Those could have been people. Those could have been guests at her wedding
1: they were cones <laughs> so I don't know why but for, for in our house if there's that moment where you're like ah come on it's not that big a deal one of us will just yell Bleh! they were cones like when you screw up or you make a mistake and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because you'll have to have really seen that movie yeah that's not a standout quote from that movie mm-hmm. but if something is, goes wrong and I screw up or you know whatever Bleh! they were cones <laughs> and I just say it and it means nothing to anyone but us well that,
0: that's cool though and I, that, I think that's kind of sweet and cute and even sort of romantic that, that you have that little thing. So that's fun. Mackling, what about you? What you got?
2: Just actually good timing here, Brett, because I just finished editing this quote uh, from the film. I would say I watched more than any other because it was on TV. It seemed as though just about every other weekend when I was about 9, 10, 11 years old. Over? Did you say over? Over?
4: <laughs> Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> Hell no!
1: Germans? You it, he's rolling.
4: And it ain't over now. Cause when the going gets tough
0: <laughs>
4: A tough get going! <laughs> Who's with me? Let's go! Come on!
2: And of course, nobody follows Bluto out the door. That's uh, from Animal House. John Belushi, and I just love the uh, misappropriation of facts there. And so you can just kind of throw that in every once in a while and p- see if people are paying attention to what you say.
0: He was such a genius. Mm-hmm. Like the the the, the 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 that scene, does this like. Attempt at an inspirational (laughs) speech. Yep. And to to sort of toe that line where it's like, you're kind of pumped up, but not really. (laughs) Like he, yeah, that's that's a tough thing to do. He did it so well. Great pick, Mackling. Cameron Poitras, let's go to you next uh, Well,
4: time.
5: I do this all the time. Listen, I could take the whole entire movie, uh, Airplane Apart, because me and Clay, uh, Clay Young at Global News, literally quote that movie, I think, to the detriment of everybody here in this room <laughs> yes. constantly. Um, but- Sarah's
1: nodding very much behind you right now. Yeah.
5: So, Clay, if you're listening, man, I, I know he's on the air, but he's on TV. But um, I'll I play this one, because this, I, me and my wife give each other movie quotes all the time, but this was the last one that made it both laugh
3: those areas have been drilled
5: oh, yeah. yes it's uh it's called drainage Eli See, I own everything around it so of course uh, I get what's underneath it but there are no derricks there this is uh, the bandy track do you understand do you understand Eli that's more to the point do you understand <laughs> I drink your water Drink it up every day I drink the blood of lamb from bandage cracked that's the one of the final uh, this, what's the the final scene from there will be blood with daniel uh, Daniel Day Lewis Daniel Plainview the character uh, who's uh, an oil baron and uh, yeah do you understand what's more to the point do you understand and that you can use that constantly yeah. me and my wife use that one against each to each other all the time and we always laugh so yeah, yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in years. Oh, it's
5: one of the it's one of it's like up there with Lord of the Rings for me. Well which is I, high which is high praise in my world. Well
0: on that subject.
4: But there's some good in this world, oh. Mr. Frodo, And it's worth fighting for.
0: That's mine. That's from the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. The Two Towers. Samwise Gamgee answering the question from Frodo: "What are we ha- holding on to, Sam?" Oh,
5: I was going to say it. And, I was uh, going to say, "What are we holding on to, Sam?"
1: And, and did you like it for the meaning, or do you use it?
0: I, I actually, I mean, it's a great quote. It was a great scene, but it's something that I that I, I sort of come back to, like you know, because we part of our job is to sift through all the bad stuff that happens in the world, and and mm-hmm. the, when you get pounded with that every day. And that you got to remind yourself there is good in this world. And it's worth, it is worth fighting for.
5: Those, so. who, uh, All those who see such times, but it's not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. I come back to that one too, Brett, from Gandalf and Fellowship.
0: That's an excellent quote as well. Uh, Sarah McCarthy, what about you?
6: I was inspired by uh, Forte's Double Threat from earlier this week yeah. of the larva and the egg. So mine's from Stand By Me. That is one of my favorite movies. I read The Body growing up by Stephen King and have the movie on DVD still, it with me to winnipeg even um but yeah this is more of an exchange between uh chris and gordy when they're on their adventure
1: do you think i'm weird definitely no man seriously am i weird
4: yeah, but so what? Everybody's weird. Everybody is weird. <laughs>
5: just be right. your own kind of weird, you
6: know? <laughs> I don't so know. Like, you Love care it. so much about that type of stuff when you're young and just seeing like the coming-of-age movie. It's just, I don't know, means a lot to Heck, me. you care so, about yeah. that stuff when you're old you do. sometimes, right? You do. So you're
1: walking around with your quote, Brett and Sarah, when she's mumbling, I'll know, she'll be like, we're all weird.
0: <laughs> Great pick, Sarah. I haven't seen that movie in years either.
7: Fortune, you got one? Well, speaking of weird... I'm a pretty weird guy. Uh, but me and Jeff Braun, we are always quoting Die Hard. Like, that is just something that we do all the time. And, uh, well, this line Yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> 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 Which, that, that's not Bruce Willis's voice. They did a, a, a what's yeah. it called? They uh, Dubbed, yes. Uh, but I did use that quote. Uh, it was Jeff Braun's 25th uh, anniversary here at CJOB, and so we had this digital card that, you know, you give him congratulations. I just said, yippee-ki-yay, mister Brauner. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I, I had to use that quote.
0: Good stuff. So 204 A movie quote, that either you just like to quote frequently, maybe you have a thing like Loren and her hubby, or like Forte and Jeff Braun, or there's there is there a movie quote that has had an effect on your life and that it provided you with genuine inspiration two hundred four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, or maybe there's one you use just to drive people nuts, like uh, one of my buddies, and if he's listening, I can't even, I shouldn't do it. It's my buddy Mike's birthday. I have two Mike, Mikes, actually, who have a birthday today. One of them, Really? And one of them, I, I, I can't even... I say one word in the voice of Gollum from Lord of the Rings, and he'll stop me and say, if you keep going, I will smash you with this golf club right now. He can't, he, it freaks him out when I do it. So. But I like to quote Gollum when I can, and the threat of death is not imminent. So tell us your movie quote story for a chance to win Journey and Toto tickets. We'll pick a winner at 915 Need a bigger boat. They call me Mr. Tibbs.
4: I love the smell of my pump in the morning.
0: I will look for you, I will find you,
4: (laughs) and I will kill you.
0: (laughs) A sample of classic movie quotes. Who doesn't like a good movie quote? And if you love movie quotes, we want to tell you about a new book called You Talking to Me, The Definitive Guide to Iconic Movie Quotes.
1: It's written by our next guest, Brian Abrams. Good morning, Brian. Morning. Let's talk about the movie quotes. What drew you in to write a whole book about the quotes that have populated the planet for decades?
7: Oh, I mean, what draws you into them in the first place, right? I mean, I, I, there was a there was an editor, and a publisher, and knew me and knew my writing, and we went back and forth. At the at the height of the pandemic, when those of us who were, you know, fortunate enough to sort of be able to to work indoors or work from home at the time, noticed that everyone was just locked down watching movies and you know, we basically thought, why not uh, make a buck at it? But, uh, but it was just an opportunity to to dive in and, and explore Hollywood history through movie lines and interview tons of screenwriters, by the way, who were all at home at the same time anyway, right? So they were happy to pick up the phone and spend 10 minutes discussing with me the most popular line that ever came out of their fingertips, you know?
1: We're
2: discussing a lot of our favorites this morning, but uh, Brian, is there such a thing as a good movie quote being a bad thing? I like, like, can the quote overshadow the movie? Be uh, almost become a little bit too large?
7: I guess that's a good question. I I tried to focus on lines that I felt had stories to tell. In other words, um, that you could point to a line. And, and almost kind of track the way it had like an external impact on the culture, you know? I mean, you, you had some playing at the front of the, of the segment, but uh, we, we think about, you know, revenge is a dish that is best served cold from Star Trek to the wrath of Khan. And it's a line that's been said in, ver- in different variations prior to that movie, but that definitely was the movie that kind of put the stamp on that phrase.
0: How does a movie quote sort of become a movie quote, as in it becomes this sort of moment in pop culture time, so to speak.
7: It is funny how that happens. I mean, it just it depends on on from where it's harder to track, obviously, pre-TV, how something like a, a 1930s line from Gene Harlow, like, would you be shocked if I put on something more comfortable, like how that continues to kind of ricochet through time because people who were maybe in the who were kids watching movies in the 30s saw that. Were magnetized to that, and then when they launched their careers, figured out ways to parody it, you know. And then th- there are other times when you hear lines that are sampled in like hip hop tracks, and that kind of keeps the ball bouncing. Um, so it it really it, it's there are so many different contexts in which it happens, which is kind of a reason why the book exists. Um, and I would also say that you know you can look to a time also when movies were more at the center of culture. And therefore, you know, on the weekends, everyone was at the movie theater in a way that they aren't today. Uh, And so movie lines just kind of rang in our heads more often every weekend.
1: I'm curious, you talked about how you interviewed and spoke to a lot of the screenwriters. And so sometimes I'm wondering if the quote was actually part of the script, if it changed in delivery, if the actor added a line along the way, like, did you learn anything along the way of writing this book that might have surprised you about some of those iconic quotes?
7: It is funny. Yeah. I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately is by Felicia from Friday, the 1995 stoner comedy, because that's a line that was just kind of an ad lib made up on set. They made up a lot of stuff on set and they didn't even think twice about it. It's in the movie. They're done. They move along. And then one day, you know, you come to discover that that's a line that wasn't something that was popular when the movie came out. But as uh, people went to the to the video stores and rented a copy and someone's aunt saw it or someone's cousin saw it or someone's mom saw it. And all of a sudden it, it kind of drifts into like black reality TV shows and it becomes this catchphrase among divas and almost has nothing to do with like ice Cube smoking a joint with Chris Tucker anymore. You know, it's, it's it's really bizarre to watch the journey of these lines and how they catch on.
2: One of my favorite movies is, is, um, well, the line is if you build it, they will come. And that's become right. a catchphrase for politicians for mega projects around the world, you know, field of dreams. And then in our business, I find that people say one million dollars completely different now, thanks to Doctor Evil <laughs> and Austin Powers. Like the impact of these things sometimes can be very subtle, and they show up in the oddest places.
7: It's true, and then people you know curl up the little pinky to their to their uh, lip too uh with by the way that field of dreams line the filmmakers have never divulged who said that line you can't find it anywhere you can they they've they've kept their lips shut on that one which is bizarre but i guess it adds to the mystique in their minds
0: Ryan Abrams is the author of you talking to me the definitive guide to iconic movie quotes joining us
7: live and Lorena has one more question for you
1: do you have a favorite quote after all this
7: I don't. I mean, there are just so many, Uh, you know, if if we could, how much time do you have? Really? We could go through them all.
1: I hear you. When we were trying to figure it out this morning, I I regretted my first, second and fourth decision. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brian, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. And the book is described as, um, Oh, where did it go? I had the quote in front of me. A movie buff's treat curated by a real movie buff. So again, the book is called You Talking to Me, The Definitive Guide to Iconic Movie Quotes. And you can tell us about the movie quote that's had an impact on your life for a chance to win tickets to see Journey. And Toto will pick a winner at 9.15. <laughs> It's Macklin McGarry McNabb. Boo of the Zoo tickets up for grabs in two minutes time. Before that, we're asking you about the movie quotes that have affected your life, the movie quotes that you just can't stop quoting for a chance to win tickets for Journey and Toto coming to Canada Life Centre March 4th. And we got a couple, well, this is... Anything this guy uh, does actually Is it becomes one of the movies that gets quoted All the time Uh, including this one
1: 100% one of our listeners said their favorite movie Quote was from Talladega Nights
4: Always remember if If you ain't first
7: You're last If you ain't first You're last
4: If you ain't first you're last you know what I'm talking about? That phrase, trademark, not to use it
1: tradition Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so, Ricky Bobby and Talladega Knights, <laughs> of course. And then there's the fantastic follow up when he confronts his father about why he was ever told to be first or else.
3: You came in, you said, if you ain't first, you're last.
4: Oh, hell, Ricky, I was high when I said that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> first, you're last. You, you can be second, <laughs> you can be third, fourth. <laughs> hell, you. You didn't even be fair? You didn't even be fair. What are you talking about? <laughs> I live my
5: whole life
1: based on that. Oh, that is to Will Ferrell. You're right. In in that movie alone, like the baby Jesus quote, there's a a million things from that one. That film
2: should not be inspiring us to do better things, but somehow it does. When they put that bobcat in the car, that is one of the funniest scenes in the history of cinema. I absolutely love that movie.
0: We also have somebody who who says, my favorite quote that I use all the time is in conversation, comes from Pulp Fiction. Check out the big brain on Brad.
6: <laughs> You're a smart mother. Yeah, I had
0: to cut it there. Oh, I'm surprised it even got that far. <laughs>
1: there's a lot of F-bombs in that scene.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually he likes to use that quote usually sarcastically, but sometimes as recognition as well, if somebody has a big brain. And they've identified, know uh, Brett knows this quote because the character's name is Brett. Even it, though it does sound like Brad. Yeah, yeah, but he gets then he gets shot in the face.
6: So
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's in the apartment, right? When when they're trying to get to the truth about what's going on, that's a tasty burger. that's That's a
0: good movie too. So let us know the your movie quote story if you have one that has had an effect on your life, or if there's one maybe that just you and one other person have this little thing where you quote the movie back and forth. Tell us a story for a t- chance to win journey and Toto tickets. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen. <laughs> Big problems. Big promises. That's been the talk around health care ahead of t- Tuesday's election.
1: So, today we're turning to the leaders to try and cut through the talk and see what action they would take if elected as the head of Manitoba's next government. We're going to speak to all three party leaders throughout the day. Right now, we're joined by the leader of the Liberal Party, Dougald Lamont. Good morning. Good morning. One of the big issues, maybe the issue, no matter what promises we make, we're going to need to have the staff, we're going to need to train more healthcare professionals. Training's one thing. How will you keep them here, Dougald?
8: Oh, well, that's a great question. Well, first I'll say somebody made the point in the last couple of years I heard. The U of M is essential to our healthcare system. We have factories for making doctors, nurses, (laughs) and folks in our our province, but we haven't put enough money into expanding them. So the number one thing to do is expand them, expand new spaces. But the other, when it comes to keeping people here, it's about making their work easier Um, in a couple of ways. One, let's say you're a family doctor. We would improve pay to allow people to take more time with patients when they need to. Like right, right now, it's a certain amount of money Everyone gets the same amount of money, same amount of time for no matter what the issue with the patient is. If you actually pay family physicians more uh, to take that extra time, it makes it more appealing and they can provide better care and they get better paid. That makes it better. You pay people to work in teams. That's the other thing that is critical. And this is part of our. But it makes life easier because you have a clinic, let's say, with a physiotherapist and and, uh, maybe a, a mental health worker and a, a nurse practitioner, it means that if you can't see the doctor, maybe you can see somebody else, especially if it's in a small town or if it's in rural or northern Manitoba. This is about building these clinics of people where you have what's called wraparound care. And the other is uh, a little bit of an extra top up for those people as well. So if you're living in rural and northern Manitoba, we don't want people commuting. We really want people to like, settle in the community and live there. It, it makes it better for everyone. So those three things together, that was the big part of our first our first healthcare announcement: Make sure everybody gets a family doctor. Train people up. Pay family doctors a bit better to make it more attractive, and then also make sure that they're paid to work in teams. Because right now, people aren't actually paid to work in teams. <laughs> uh, they have to. They basically have to work for free to talk to a colleague. Uh, it sounds. It sounds weird, but yeah, if they if they have to talk to people about their patients' care, they're not paid for it. So. Just pay them for it, and that that'll help build teams. It'll help increase the number of family doctors, and it'll increase the number of uh, clinics, both in Winnipeg and across Manitoba. Which is the goal.
2: You're sort of touching on something that that frustrates, I think, a lot of folks is this idea of of turning to an ER when they should be going to a walk-in clinic or a family doctor. We know so many Manitobans don't have a family doctor, so that's out of yep. the equation. So, do we have a sense of how many more walk-in clinics? General practitioners, we might need to help Manitobans from unnecessarily going to an emergency room because that's probably the most expensive and least efficient option.
8: Yeah, well, no, that's it. Like it, when it comes to our healthcare system, it, it's like it's like if you're going to a rent-a-car place and you really just want the subcompact for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks a day, and they say no, 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 you gotta you gotta rent the Cadillac Escalade. That's all we got, uh, even though that's not what you need. Um, you know, because there are people who end up in the ERs because nothing else is, is available. So the actual number of clinics, you know, it varies. The real thing is about the question of making sure that the doctors are there. Um, and it's more than that. Look, I, I talked to a doctor yesterday who said that people would be shocked at the reason why they can't get care. And it's because doctors are having to do things like stock shelves, do data entry. Um, so, Actually, if we, we we need to, it's more than just hiring doctors. It's, it's hiring doctors to do the jobs that doctors shouldn't be doing. Um, lots of which is like it's important stuff, but it's it makes no sense to say, well, you know, the reason that you I couldn't see your you, you couldn't see your doctor today was because they had to restock the shelves in the rural hospital because there was no one there to do it. So, look, some of this is just about rebuilding and and putting money into our healthcare system, but we're talking about. We have to we have to bring up that number of doctors by about 400 and we have to do it pretty quickly like within four or five years um and there's and that's about putting money at the u of m putting money into uh you call them residencies so that you can have international medical graduates like in and look that means we have canadians going to ireland because you, they can't get into school here um making sure that those people can get jobs when they come back because they actually want to work here too so it's 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 a mix of all these things but it's, right. As we increase the number of people and as we treat them, if we treat the people working in the system better, they'll be able to treat patients better, which is the whole
2: point. What about this uh, an ability for a, an ER triage nurse or some function of the ER to be able to to literally tell someone that comes in that doesn't need to be there. We can get you an appointment at this clinic tomorrow morning. We can get you in to see this specialist this afternoon. You don't need to be here. There seems to be a real lack of ability for these different aspects of the healthcare system to speak to and work with one another. Is that something that that can be fixed?
8: Oh, well, 100%. I mean, this is so one of these things is we just have we should have like clinics, urgent clinics, and even just regular clinics open 24/7 right near hospitals. <laughs> That's the obvious thing to do. So if somebody says, oh, you know what, and it shouldn't be next morning, like these people still need to be seen right away. Um, it, so if we expand the number of places, because look, I've I've ended up in the you end up in the ER because or, or urgent care because nothing else is open. That's part of the problem is that we keep focusing on, on building places that are intended for crisis when what we need to be focusing on is keeping people out of crisis as much as possible. So having those clinics right near an ER, so it says, you know what, uh, what you need to just go down, or keep set family up, doctors up in a hospital, but you're better off, even if it's a block away, make sure that you've got a place where people can go, oh, you know what, it's you're okay, we're going to, send you over to the, the other clinic and we'll get you treated right away. It shouldn't be a wait. That's the whole thing is that once we start smoothing that down, um, that's what we need. And it's, it is a capacity issue. It's, we do not have enough doctors, nurses, and everybody else. But as we start to fill that up, that's how we get the wait times. It's all about the people in the system. It's There's- not about building big new hospitals or building new, big new ERs. It's all about, folk, I mean, people call it health human resources. You know what that is? That's people is making sure we hire those people and make sure that they stay. And there, you know what I'll say, There was a plan. The, the, the government of Manitoba had a plan in 2022, written by Deloitte, that said, you know what, your whole healthcare system is on the verge of collapse. This is what you need to do for the next few months. Every single month, do this, do this, do this. And they didn't. So there is actually a plan sitting or waiting to be used that we could be implementing to start making things better for, for people in healthcare, especially the patients.
1: So Dougal, there's issues for hospital access and general practitioners, et cetera. There's a whole lack of issues. Uh, There's an aging population here and right across this country. So I want to talk about seniors and your party has a plan where, uh, you know, instead of maybe going to a home, we're trying to encourage, and I think all parties have talked about trying to find ways to help Manitobans age in home. Your party yep. has said that once you reach the age of seventy, you would send out an assessment team to help figure out a long-term care plan for that aging senior. What's the cost of that plan? How how, how does it get implemented? What are the dollars?
8: You know what? I, it's it's in my like, it's in the platform. I can tell you that I don't have it in my fingertips. But the thing about that, you know, so the seniors' advocate. What we wanted to do is bring in a senior's advocate. Cindy Lamaru is my colleague. She's the first person who came up with it. And she went to be the first person to bring it to Manitoba from BC. You have a senior's advocate, so you just have teams of people. So when you're 70, somebody goes, checks out your, does an assessment to your house, says, okay, well, maybe you need a railing here. Maybe you need a ramp here. So there's a bit of funding beyond that as well. So it, it'd be a, a safe stay at home. So you might be able to get funding for a wheelchair ramp if that's what you need, railings, there's all sorts of really small practical things that can make the difference. The other is making sure we're providing uh, home care. But we really need to be getting away from these. We've basically been warehousing seniors in things that are a little bit like a hospital, and that's what they, not what we need. We need to have more home-like settings. But even, even the idea that we have, look, we have a, an aging population, but I went to a great conference and they said, actually, the good news about this, look, the reason why so many people are living longer is because we're all healthier we're actually all much much healthier than we used to be. Um and that's a good thing. It actually, you know, our healthcare system is working. <laughs> we're we're saving lives, we're extending lives. That's that's a really really good news story that we keep treating like it's a problem. Um because at the end of the day, uh you know, and and because it's because of this idea that somehow seniors are a burden and they're not. That's really really important. So um, we actually do have the capacity, but making sure we have a nurse practitioner in a personal care home would make a colossal difference. They do it in other provinces. Uh, nurse practitioners, they're, they're, they can do 85% of what a doctor can. They, would keep, uh, you know, they can keep people out of ER. They can keep people out of the hospitals. They can keep people out of ambulances. We mm-hmm. know that works. So, again, it's all about prevention and, and improving that level of, level of ongoing care. Like, it's basically like the difference between, if you want to compare a person to a car, doing maintenance once in a while or going a hundred thousand kilometers and never changing your oil ones, right? <laughs> or never doing any maintenance. If you keep up the basic maintenance on yourself, that makes all the difference. And that's what we need to be focusing on: is basic maintenance instead of uh, instead of massive interventions and waiting till everything is in a crisis. And basically, we've had crisis-based healthcare for a long time under the other two parties. And it's all about shifting out of crisis uh, because once you do that you get better care and it, and it starts to cost you less as well.
0: Dougal, before we let you go, uh, many Manitobans can't age at home. They need personal care homes. we well, you heard too often the care they might get there is not always ideal. we only got about 60 seconds here, Dougal, but what will your party do to improve care in homes to make sure adequate care is being given?
8: Well, you know what? I will say we have already done it this This uh, spring, we passed a bill which empowers family committees. It was actually inspired by one of our candidates, Rhonda Nickel, at at Kirkfield Park. But the other is just making sure that you have that oversight um, and that people are able to speak up safely. And that's why we have to have a seniors advocate uh, who can actually investigate things. You know, it's a watchdog with bark and bite. We had a situation with the the, uh, protection for, for people in care office. The other parties haven't talked about it. It's shocking. What, what, what was being happening to seniors where the very people investigating it who were supposed to check and see if it was open, they were being abused, cases where there were criminal charges were laid uh, were being defined not as abuse for years and years under the other two parties. That is shocking. Um, and making sure that there's a place for families and seniors to go as an advocate is, is the absolutely most important thing. And that's make, bringing in that senior's advocate who can, you can go to they can be your champion and no politician can interfere or, uh, or or tell them to be quiet because they're the ones who say, this is a problem, you guys need to act.
0: Dougal Lamont is the leader of the Liberal Party in Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Dougal, thank you for this.
8: Cheers. Have a great day, guys.
0: We're asking you about your movie quotes that have had an effect on your life, or maybe it's just something that you've... Share with a friend Like Jeff Forte and Jeff Braun Quoting Die Hard back and forth to each other Carrie with some wisdom here saying From Fair, well this one's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off
4: I said it before and I'll say it again
0: Life moves pretty fast You don't stop and look around once in a while You could miss it Some solid wisdom In that
1: tune also and I still, I'm not once a week, but I bet you once a month, someone gets a text from me when, you know, waiting for a response or you're trying to get their attention. Bueller.
0: Bueller. Oh, yeah. Bueller. You're right. That has, that very quickly became a thing. Yeah, like I'm
1: waiting for you to talk, but like, hello, Bueller. Anyone? <laughs> anyone? Ben
0: Stein just delivers that so line good.
2: just just perfectly.
0: That is a near perfect film. So great job, Carrie. So we'll pick our winner in our next segment and congratulations to Robert Starr, going to see Air Supply on October 2nd at the Centennial Concert Hall. Right now we want to talk about how it was an evening to celebrate football in our province last night in the Pinnacle Lounge at IG Field.
1: So that's where the Manitoba Football Hall of Fame Class of 2023 were honored and inducted into the Hall of Fame for their contributions in growing the game of football. This included coaches, players, one team, and builders, including the longtime voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving.
3: Uh, You're way too kind. Thank you. Old habits die hard. I have a score to report. Oak Park, 17, St. Paul's nothing. Our grandson plays for the Oak Park Junior Varsity Team, so I just had to throw that. First, I want to congratulate all of the worthy inductees tonight. As a kid growing up in Regina, we all have to be from somewhere. My dream was to be a sportscaster. I wanted to live long enough to read one sportscast. So I started my radio career at CJSL in Estevan, 1969, moved on to CKX in Brandon, 1970, and then my ship came in. I was lucky enough to get hired by CJOB in Winnipeg in September of 1973. And shortly after that, I was given the task of broadcasting Winnipeg Blue Bomber games. And I never ceased to remind myself how lucky I was to have been given that opportunity. Those of us who do football play-by-play in Canada, pro football play-by-play, there's only nine of us. Derek Taylor, you know this. We're one of nine. That's a pretty exclusive club, and it's really cool to be part of that group. And it's been just a wonderful ride I'd like to thank CJOB for the platform they gave me. I'd like to thank my wife and our kids for the tremendous support and patience they had, all the travel, the early morning, the crazy hours. And I'd like to thank Football Manitoba for this very special honor. Thank you.
2: So, of course, Bob nailed nailed not only his speech but the time allotted <laughs> two minutes 30 <laughs> seconds they were each given two minutes bob i think was the only honoree who was even in the neighborhood of two minutes with the speeches uh, but it was an incredible evening you guys it's just so fabulous some terrific messages from the honorees and we should probably um, list them here very quickly steve dolinek who was uh, an, a longtime time official with football in Manitoba, Brent Irwin, a coach and builder from Portage La Prairie, Brownie Krochak, who is the the father of two individuals who coached football for years in Manitoba. And it wasn't until Mr. Krochak passed away that his kids discovered his connection with football. He had packed away all his medals, all his clippings in a box, never spoke to his kids about it. So it's ironic then that uh, Doug and Walter Krochuk were such a big part of amateur football in Manitoba over the years. Lorne Lajamodier, uh player and coach, Dennis Radlinski, coach of the Nomads and other teams over the years. Glenn Scrivner, coaches Dakota Lancers played for the blue bombers and the CFL was a standout uh, for years. Paul Bennett, who was an outstanding CFL player, coached in Winnipeg at Oak Park with the Hawkeyes amongst others. Um, and my high school coach, George Kaniski was also entered into the Hall of Fame yesterday. It was special to see Coach Kiniski go in yesterday. Our good friend. Did you still call him coach? That's all I coach. call him coach. What's That's he it. call you? Uh, Mackling. <laughs> get out there. Mackling. You're not fast enough. Mackling.
1: Stop talking and go play some football. Exactly.
2: He was, well, he was also my English teacher. So oh, <laughs> he had, he had some nice. insight. He had some insight. Um, Stu Nixon, the legendary coach of the Oak Park Raiders. Mm-hmm. Nick Dembski and Brady Oliveira were, were there last night to uh, make sure Stu got his due. Leo Ezarin's a Le- West End legend. And Jennifer Romanov, who is essentially my cousin, Went in as a player and uh, her contributions as an athletic therapist. So proud of Jennifer and the 1984 St. Patel Mustangs junior football team. I'm a rod for life and Mustangs and rods don't get along, but congratulations to the Mustangs and everyone last night. It was a, an extra special night for uh, a sport that is a big part of culture here in Manitoba.
7: It's
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets for Journey and Toto coming to Counter Life Center, March 4th, 2024. And we're talking movie quotes this morning. At 7.05, we spoke to the author of a new book called You Talking to Me? The Definitive Guide to Iconic Movie Quotes. And we're asking you about your movie quote stories. And I just wanted to share this one because Loren wasn't in the room and we mentioned it earlier, but this made me smile from Lisa. It's just kind of cute because she says, my hubby, whenever I walk by and he's got something in his hand like a hammer or a rake, he says this.
5: See this?
6: (laughs) This is my boomstick. (laughs) From uh,
0: Army of Darkness, which is a 1992 fantasy horror comedy weird movie. Um, And, yeah, so just imagine that. Every time you walk past your hubby, he's got
1: something in his hand. He's like, hey, this is my boomstick. You have to commit to the line and the shtick. And the stick that he's carrying. The shtick and the stick. Shtick and the stick.
2: (laughs) Mackling, have you ever seen um, Phantom of the Paradise? I have. On television, many times. Never saw it in the theater. Ran in theaters, I think, for two years Mm -hmm. in Winnipeg. Uh, It was a hit in Paris and Winnipeg and almost nowhere else.
0: So Gary, Sleepy Beefaroni, our runner-up here. I haven't seen this movie. I can't believe that. I feel like a bad Winnipegger. But... Gary says, I was one of the phantom maniacs back in 1974. I still love the movie. I pulled the audio for this, but I don't know how it'll translate to radio. So, but, so I'll just paraphrase here. The Winslow and Beef shower scene, where he warns Beef about not singing his music. He reaches into the shower and grabs him and says, and he actually hits him in the face with a plunger Never sing my music again. Not here. Not anywhere. Do you understand? My music is for Phoenix. Only <laughs> she can sing it. Anyone else who tries, dies. And uh, Gary, the fact that you're able to quote that, good stuff, impressive. But uh, well done, Brett. Thank you. For someone that's never seen the movie, mm, it's pretty good. Well, the Loren, Amanda Ronsky uh, came through here for the win.
1: And this just ties into what we've been talking about today. So it just kind of struck a chord, I think, with all of us. Amanda says. I'm a nurse, and the quotes from the movie Patch Adams have completely shaped the way I nurse. Here are only a couple of the many ones from the movie.
3: A doctor's mission should be not just to prevent death, but also to improve the quality of life. That's why you treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you win, no matter what the outcome.
1: That's Robin Williams in Patch Adams, and Amanda adds one other quote. Remember laughing? Laughter enhances the blood flow to the body's extremities and improves cardiovascular function. Laughter releases endorphins and other natural mood-elevating and pain-killing chemicals, improves the transfer of oxygen and nutrients to the internal organs. Laughter Laughter boosts the immune system and helps the body fight off disease, cancer cells, as well as viral, bacterial, and other infections. Being happy is the best cure of all diseases.
0: Amanda, we were not expecting that this morning, but that is some fantastic wisdom. And as Loren pointed out, that ties in with what we're talking about today. The big election topic is healthcare. And we're actually in the process of crafting a question of the day related around healthcare. But Amanda, thank you for sharing that. You win. Going to see Journey and Toto, March 4th, 2024. Social media, a forum which has existed For less than 20 years, it began, most would suggest, with Facebook. It was a way to connect with old friends and make new ones. Somewhere along the line, it became, as Kelly Moore would say, un-social media.
1: That doesn't mean, Brett, though, that there aren't people out there who try to keep it light and breezy and not all the heavy negativity that you might feel you see and sort of experience throughout the day, whatever forum you're sort of scrolling through. Even if there's maybe some shade being thrown, our next guest is self-described as the internet's favorite dad with an asterisk. I'm not sure if you put it there or kids put it. We'll get to that in a bit.
2: It's unproven. Uh, (laughs) With a global fan base, an invitation to the White House, speaking engagements all over North America, commentary segments on Global National, starring in the DreamWorks TV show Kid vs. Parent with his youngest son, collaborations with celebrities such as Ryan Reynolds, Gordon Ramsay, and the Property Brothers, Brittle Star, is living the social media celebrity dream, not bad, for a dad from the suburbs.
6: Hey, neighbor. Oh, hi, America. What's with the decorations? It's Canada Day. We're having a little get-together. Canada Day? Yeah, um, kind of like July 4th for you guys. Yeah, but we do July 4th because we got lots of stuff to celebrate. We got Eagles and Freedom and KFC. What do you have to celebrate? Did you just say, what do we have to celebrate? Yeah, I... Universal Healthcare. So if you break your leg, you can still afford a snack while you wait in the ER. The metric system. But to be fair, everybody else has that except you maternity leave because we think if a woman carries around another human for nine months she might need some time off poutine french fries gravy cheese curds if angels owned food trucks they'd make poutine
2: <laughs> i wanted to play that entire thing but that would chew up way more time than than we ought to with uh brittle Star or Stuart reynolds uh, uh, you know his mom calls him that when he's in, yeah. in trouble right that's right exactly I
6: always listen to your mother
2: Morning, Stuart. Thanks Morning. for making time thanks with us. For, thanks for having me. Well, you've got a book. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. You also have a, a, an event tonight that you want to invite uh, folks out yes. to if there are some tickets left. But the power of social media. Mm-hmm. C- could you have ever imagined when you, you signed up for Facebook and and sought out, I don't know who your first friend was on yeah. Facebook, but uh, I could never have imagined when I clicked on it for the first time in 06 that, we would be where we're at. Yeah, I think, you know, initially when social media started, exactly
6: as was said, it's, you know, it was like a way to connect with old friends. And then people like similar to myself realized, ah, no, I left high school for a reason. I don't want to see those people anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, not all of them. Some of them are nice if you're listening and live in Winnipeg. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing tool. It's fantastic. But at the, the speed at which the information comes now is crazy and that fear of missing out is amazing. That never ending scroll is so addictive, but at the same time, it's good and bad.
1: It's the, it's the thing that keeps you going, might put a smile on your face. Yeah. And it's also the thing that makes you want to throw your phone oh, at yeah. the wall. Yeah. How do you find space in that?
6: Well, I think, you know, I always compare it to as if you're in a bar and if you're in a bar with someone having a drink and you're listening to that person and there might be a million other conversations going on around you uh, and the dumbest things in the world may be you know maybe being said uh but social media instead of so you can tune those out in the real world in social media it's like you can hear crystal clear every single one of those stupid things And you think, I have to pay attention to this. And you really don't. That's the key. The key is you really have to be really, you know, your selective hearing is basically sort of selective.
1: You don't need to start a bar fight over what you got. No,
6: exactly. Exactly. Some guy thinks your hair looks stupid at the back of the, your hair looks great, by the way. Thank you. Uh, But, you know, if some (laughs) of the guys thinks your hair looks stupid at the back of the bar, you're like, I don't care what that loser thinks. Who cares? Move on. Now, content creation
0: seems to be a career goal for a large percentage of kids. I remember, God, over five years ago, uh, my my friends showed me the their one of their boys was in grade four and it was like an end-of-year yearbook thing the kids put together and mm. what do you want to be when you grow up? And half, honestly, half of them said YouTuber. Yeah. So curious to know if you have advice for kids
6: who are looking to content creation or may, advice for both the kids and their parents. I think, you know, I mean, it's possible. You can certainly, you know, I'm proof that you can be a schlub and make a living at it. Um, But I mean, I think you have to realize it's a little bit like being a professional athlete. It's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, that's a possibility, but you there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of hustle that you have to have in social media. It's always it's all about maintaining profile. It's all about maintaining content, and there's stuff. there's times when you don't want to do stuff, and you're like, but I gotta keep doing this. I've got a brand that wants me to do something. I've got to make sure that people who follow me are don't think I fell off the face of the earth, that type of thing. So I mean, it's it's a lot of work. and it's making videos is super fun. I get to have fun a lot. I laugh every day, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I'm here. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> hey, you were in
2: Calgary last night. That's, that's all I'm saying step up. that. It's a yeah. step up from Calgary. <laughs> so the book is Welcome to the Apocalypse." Stup- yes. Had to say it three times to get it right. Survival tips for the dumb again, mm-hmm. and uh, Stuart Reynolds by our by the way is our guest. Uh, you know him better as Brittlestar on social media. Just this whole idea. I, I just made a note here about this whole idea of there are two sides to every story. Sure. Uh, it's not a 50 we're, we're not divided on these things 50-50 no. typically right it's yeah. it's the uh, the oppression uh, or the tyranny of the minority sometimes yeah. that we're faced with on social media that's another, <laughs> another that's another thing you have to navigate yeah, I think you know one of my favorite quotes
6: about social media is by a comedian named Billy Connolly, which you're probably familiar with. And Billy Connolly said, "Social media has the ability to make things look like a movement when it's really just some guy in his underpants in his mom's basement." Yeah, and it does. It really does. Like, I mean, I also my thing, my whole thing is that usually, you know, the loudest person in the room is usually not the smartest. That's the key. And so, it's just because a voice is loud, doesn't mean that it's right. Doesn't mean that it's smart. Doesn't mean that it's the best way forward. So it's it's difficult, but again, it goes back to that whole flow of information. It's never-ending nonstop, and you really have to be uh, diligent and, and really sort of exercise your ability to tune things out that, that aren't important.
1: I've been slipping just through the first couple of pages and laughed several times. First oh, of all, with the foreword, your yeah. Stuart Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds says, we're not related. I will not be able to write the foreword for your book. It's touching, right? That was really good. I enjoyed yeah. that. But chapter <laughs> so- one uh, you know, when we when I got through it, I thought it was tremendous. It starts off with parenting is a joke; animals are better parents.
6: It's true; they really are. I mean, when you think about that, that that particular section is fun because I mean, people as parents we freak out, we worry all the time, and then you you have to realize you know giraffes let their babies fall six feet, and they're like they're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, their kids are resilient. You know what I mean?
1: So, in putting this book together. The goal is what in terms of sharing what you've been through, but also just there's some advice in there. I I stopped and paused on page 20 just about the idea that, you know, not living through your child and and all the things that we, the mistakes that parents make. I mean, there's
6: lots of observations I'm making and stuff. And I think it's, it's the main goal of the book is to make people realize that we're all a little stupid. We all, we all do dumb things. And I think the first step of getting smarter is realizing you don't know everything and that you're not. Not stupid. You're probably stupid a little bit in certain places, in certain areas. Um, and I think that that's also really good to know because I think there's, there's we're going through a period in history currently where people are, there's some ne'er do wells, some less than awesome people who are banking on us to be stupid and to not question things and not think about things and just get angry. And getting angry solves nothing. You know, like outrage people miss details and outrage people miss context that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to just remember, wait a minute, this seems a little dumb. It might be dumb. Maybe I'm dumb, but I'll find out and I'll check it out a bit more. Well, it, on the subject, uh, or sorry, you know,
0: no, go ahead. I was there. just
1: curious. you think there's a fear there of even saying, I don't know? Yeah. Like I often think in this room, we talk about so many things where we, we end up saying that, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. And not because we think we're supposed to know the answer, but I, I wonder if there's a fear there. Well, if I don't know it, that I look like what I'm, t- Yes, I don't look like what I know what I'm talking about. Sorry, no, no, you're that I'm r- going to be judged for that.
6: Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think there's this notion in social media that you have to when you're posting something, you have to, this is my concrete belief. I had said this uh, recently to someone about how everything on social media is an endorsement, and it's I mean even if it's not, it sounds like you are. You're like you know I really liked this grape drink I had. Everyone's like, oh, he loves that grape drink. It's like the old joke of the uh, pip my ride thing, or or like when they make over someone's room and you'd mentioned once about ponies and they turn the whole thing into a ranch. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's exactly who this persons. It's like, no, no, no. This is just a fleeting digital flatulence for me. Don't worry about it. It's just nothing.
2: <laughs> digital flatulence.
6: <laughs> well, and you mentioned outrage as well, and that's
0: become almost an industry unto itself. Yeah. A lot of people make money on outrage, but, but as a content creator, is that something that you deal with where people just, cause some people are outraged at everything and they want, Absolutely. they want you, they want the world to know, how outraged they are
6: i think you know outrage is the easiest trigger to pull it's the it's the easiest reaction to give and we've been trained on social media to react to stuff right you click the like button if you someone posts a picture of their baby and if you click you have to comment something lovely if they post a picture of their dog, you know, otherwise you're a monster. And there's this whole notion of being trained to react, react, react. And we just don't have to. We don't, I mean, that was my whole thing about video views on social media as well, that they, you know, the people are saying, what? how many likes does it get? Well, it doesn't matter. The engagement happened if they watched it. If I'm watching an episode of The Office on Netflix, I don't have to write into Netflix and say, I really like that episode. <laughs> Who cares? You watched it. That's the metric. That's the, the engagement. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean – the thing that bothers me the most about the reaction thing is that you're right. People are, are really trying to profit off of this outrage. And you, as I think being aware of that is really important because then you will actually go, wait a minute, do I have to be outraged by this? Does that, you know, one of my favorite quotes ever is by a counselor in in my hometown of Stratford. And, He's, he's since uh, deceased, but he had a fantastic quote when they allowed toplessness uh, for women in uh, public spaces in Ontario. This is back in the 90s. And um, they left it to municipalities to decide if parks were included in that. So if you're municipal park, are women allowed to go topless? And of course – I mean, there's lots of life lessons there, right? But I, I won't go into that. Um, but I mean, the great quote was, or the council was in a tizzy. Everyone's like, ah, up in arms. And this is an old farmer. And he, and he stood up and he said, by winter, this whole issue will be dead. Not a lot of topless women in winter and parks exactly. in Canada. <laughs> just yeah.
2: just a, a philosophical statement, but also deadly and perfectly accurate. Absolutely. It's like, wait, why are we
6: getting all bent out of shape about this? Let's just calm down and take a breath and let's react appropriately.
2: Don't worry about it. We're overthinking this. We know him as Brittle Star on the social medias, as Brett likes to say, Stuart Reynolds. Uh, if you prefer tonight, Stuart uh, takes the stage at the Colin Jackson Studio Theater. That's at PTE. And uh, the book, once again, welcome to the Stupid Apocalypse Survival Tips for Dumb Again. And you can get your tickets online. Seek it out. Give us a, give a, give it a little search and uh, hang out with Stuart tonight. Fantastic. I can't wait to see people tonight. It's it's We've got a few
6: tickets left, but uh, yeah, jam them in. Jam them in. Brittle Star, thank you so much for popping by. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Likewise. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.